Jack's back, and he's ready to rip. That's right, it's part two of our review of Metal Gear Rising Revengeance. Yeah, this is Grant. Hey, this is Char. And this is Aaron. Okay, uh, so let's uh, jump into things. Um, so I wanted to start off with some gameplay tips for anyone who wanted to kind of jump into playing the game themselves, because one of the things we found is that the game, like, it can be fun. Not a, It's not to everyone's taste, as we'll discuss, but, like, there are some things about it that the game doesn't explain as well as it could. Yeah, yeah, the game has a, is practically infamous for its poor tutorialization. So we're going to try to make up for some of that here. Um, so a couple things that I found that I wanted to share. So uh, as we will discuss, uh, there's a boss called Monsoon. And the big, big thing when you're fighting him is that uh, he like throws tanks and helicopters at you that you use blade mode to cut apart. And then these give you EM grenades. And using EM grenades on him makes the fight so, so much more bearable. And also there's an item called Repair Nano Paste. And if you know how that works, it completely changes the game because uh, if you push the uh, left or right on the D-pad, it brings up your like sub-item menu. And if you select Repair Nano Paste as your healing item, then anytime your health runs out, you'll use a Repair Nano Paste and heal to full automatically. So it's basically a multiplier to your health bar. Yeah, it's basically kind of like the rations in the old Metal Gear games. Let's see. Another tip is, uh, we didn't mention this last time, but after you defeat Mistral, the game unlocks a weapon. And this weapon can be equipped or unequipped basically at will, again with the D-pad. And the weapon you get from Mistral is her weapon, the pole arm. Get it? Okay. <laughs> yes. So its deal is that it is a staff and a whip, and it is really good for dealing with crowds of enemies, especially when dwarf geckos try to swarm you. But it also has really good range, so with it you can stay basically out of reach of a lot of enemies. And the big thing we wanted to talk about was how parrying works, right? Oh yeah, yeah. The big thing, though, is parrying, because the game doesn't explain it very well, but it is so important that the game is named after it. Yeah, that's literally the thing that Revengeance means, because it, Raiden isn't getting revenge, really. Yeah, so the way it works is that when an enemy is about to attack you, like before they start their attack animation, usually what happens is their eyes flash red for a second. Nice of them to build that feature into all the cyborgs. Yes. I mean, you'll notice even right. <laughs> Even Raiden's eyes kind of flash red sometimes. It's their killing intent sensor. <laughs> Normal humans can't see it. But anyway, when you see them do that flash, then if you tap the joystick towards the enemy and hit the light attack button at the same time, this has to be a fresh tap and a fresh light attack. Then Raiden will raise his sword to parry whatever comes. And you can parry a lot of things that seem like they shouldn't be physically parryable. For instance, bullets. You know, if you don't want to use Ninja Run to automatically deflect them, you can parry them. When Metal Gear Ray runs at you with the entire weight of its body and its head tilted down, 
you can parry that. Yeah, and we'll we'll talk about parrying when we get to Metal Gear Excelsis, which is probably the most ridiculous use of parrying in the whole game, which is saying something. Yes. Some attacks will have an orange glow. That means that... Well, actually, I should explain one more thing. So if you parry later in the attack animation, you'll get what's called a parry counter, where Raiden will usually make an immediate attack back at them. And for most enemies, this will put them into a stunned state, which will let you do all kinds of things at them. Also, a couple more things. Parrying will cancel most attack animations. So really, you can parry almost anything. And you can even parry out of what would look like a stun state, like if an enemy is hitting you multiple times as part of one attack cycle then you can start parrying even as Raiden's falling back from whatever's hitting him. Uh, Another thing I should mention for that is something called the parry counter. It's pretty much exactly what it sounds like. If you parry later in the enemy's attack animation, then you will do a counterattack back at them automatically after blocking their attack. This usually leaves them in a stun state, and let's right and do basically whatever he wants to them, which usually involves putting him into some fancy attack animation and then doing a Zandatsu for their sweet, sweet electrolyte. Raiden only wants one thing, and it's disgusting. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I I mean, you rip that spine thing with glowing blue orbs in it out. That is kind of gross, really. Yeah. Well, I mean, at least it's not left hands. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, let's see. Another thing that's a useful tip that though this is more kind of an advanced technique and mainly useful if you're trying to go for score though it can save you also is blade canceling basically if you tap the blade mode button just for an instant while you're in another attack animation most of them will cancel out to let Raiden go into blade mode and you can raise and lower blade mode faster than some of those attack animations will finish. So if you're watching a speedrun and you notice the screen occasionally flash blue for no reason, that's what they're doing. Finally, there is one move in the game, or actually a couple moves in the game that you should buy. Uh, let's make that three. So the first is called Offensive Defense. It costs 30,000 battle points, and when you press it, right in does an attack and jumps away. Or if you tap the control stick in a direction, he jumps away in that direction and attacks. As long as we're doing the uh, manual platinum didn't bother to do, you should tell them what to press because I never figured that oh, out. Oh, you're supposed to press light attack and jump at the same time. Oh, cool. Kind of wish the game had told me that at any point. It does. If, uh, oh yeah, it does. So what happens if you pause the game, it'll say like options or exit or other things. One of the things says help. Oh, I couldn't find a controller map. That's hmm. Yeah, when you look at help, it brings up, they should have named it the move list. <laughs> it will give you every single move Raiden is capable of. Huh. Yeah, so uh, let's see. The other is the aerial parry, which is exactly what it sounds like. Both of these are accessible for purchase from the beginning of the game. Uh, offensive defense is important because that is your dodge. 
it gives you invincibility frames unless you put out a little damage to boot, which is useful because not all attacks can be parried. For example, this one is technically parryable, but some of the enemy's attacks will have an orange glow. And this means you can parry it, but you don't get a parry counter unless you're like really late in the animation. So you have a smaller window. The other one is if an enemy glows yellow, that means they're about to do an attack that cannot be parried. For example, a grab or just a really, really heavy swing. And the third move, which I really love, uh, I forget what they call it in this game, but this move has a pedigree going all the way back to Beautiful Joe on the GameCube. <laughs> yeah, seriously. It, back then, it was called the Red Hot Kick, where if you jump and then do an attack input, Joe would like do this downward, I want to say 45 to 60 degree angle kick which goes a pretty good distance and is just fast and overall really good ever since clover left capcom to become platinum they've been putting that attack in every single game calling it different names so in this game i think it's called falling lightning or something but the gist of it is if you lock onto an enemy oh that's another thing people forget you can lock onto enemies good because the camera will betray you at times <laughs> oh yeah 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 so when you lock onto an enemy you jump in the air and tap the joystick down and hit strong attack at the same time then right into the red hot kick which homes in on whatever enemies got targeted so you can like go clear to the opposite side of a fight with that if you really wanted uh, this only works, though, if you have no special weapon equipped. You can equip and unequip them at any time. But if you have, for example, the pole arm, then tapping forward and pressing strong does a different attack instead. Now, the reason why you have to go into the submenu to go use these alternate menus instead of using the perfectly nice D-pad left, right, and down buttons is because something about the game maybe having to keep track of a billion moving physics objects means that they have to disguise the load time a bit. So um, with that in mind, I think that is about all there is for gameplay tips I can think of right, na right now. If more come, I will bring them up. All else fails, play on easy mode and mash the light attack button. Oh yeah, there's also um easy automatic mode. So you pick easy mode, then it'll ask you if you want to do automatic. And if you pick automatic, then pushing the light attack button is sufficient to parry. You don't need to push in the direction of the enemy at all. Which I should emphasize again, you push in the direction of the enemy. Yeah, even if their attack is coming from a different direction. Yeah, I spent the entire game trying to parry in the direction of the attacks, and it made me completely miserable. It's a miracle I survived playing this game. Yeah, it is very important. All right, so I think we can get started on the second half of the story. Yes. Uh, so we get uh, file R03. So Raiden has decided that he's going to go into Denver, uh, despite it being uh, patrolled by private cyborg police under the control of World Marshal. And so he's driving in and he's talking on the video phone to George when the private cops attack him out of the blue. They like fire a rocket launcher at his car on the highway. Oh yeah, before that though, um Boris calls. Oh yeah, yeah. 
wants to know why he uh, resigned from Maverick. And then he's holding up this sheet of paper looking very angry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so Raiden has chosen to drop out of Maverick because... It's a very funny word choice. Yeah, so he's... Couldn't finish his four-year mercenary degree. Yeah. So he is resigning because this is the United States, not some other country where that the United States does not care about. So basically he is going on a one-man rampage and doesn't want Maverick to be associated with what he's doing. So uh, also he gets a call from, of all people, George the boy from um, from Guyana originally, but the guy who we recovered and the guy who we rescued in Guadalajara. Yeah, apparently, you know, he you know cut George in half. So now he's sporting a nice new cyber arm and other cyborg parts, presumably that don't don't show up on the camera. Yeah, and basically he is pretty excited because he's never felt so awake. And then Raiden's all about, yeah, that's because. The cyborg body is maintaining your blood sugar level, so you're just always bright and awake. Sounds kind of awesome and kind of terrible. Yeah, so you kind of learn that, oh, hey, cybernetic stuff is good for more than just be strong and fast. Strong, fast, and able to live out your weird fetish in the case of Mistral. Yes. Uh, So at this point, I think, or maybe the order was swapped around, but anyway, a cop attacks Raiden. Which is really weird because Raiden is maybe the whitest person in the world. <laughs> well, yeah, like granted, he is a combat cyborg, and apparently those are like illegal unless they have special permission. But like, yeah, it just comes out of the blue. Like he is driving, doing nothing, and yeah. I think the thing is, Raiden is canonically wearing the poncho and giant sombrero, and that just confuses <laughs> the cops. <laughs> oh yeah, that's yeah, that makes sense. The cops just mistook him. Hmm. So at this point, the rocket hits the car, the car flips over a real slow motion like, and then Raiden crawls out of it. The cops tell him, hey, military cyborg, you're not authorized to operate in this area. Then Raiden just looks smug and then just says, like, this is the sickest burn in the world. Guess you better arrest me then. <laughs> yeah, and, and the way they react to that is just like... <laughs> Oh, okay, we're going to beat you up with our electrified batons then. Like, yeah, they just extend a baton, all their batons, and are like, hey, we're threatening a peace officer is a federal offense. We're authorized to use lethal force. And then you cut them up into little pieces. Oh, yeah. That's the way this game works. Yeah. So in this game, which, again, was published in 2013, I think this was fresh out of some of the Occupy movement. And there was a lot of talk about the increasing militarization of police. So I think this is Japan basically saying, hey, this is kind of messed up what's going on in America. You have cops who are using military-grade weapons, like meter-long Daito two-handed blades. (laughs) Bring that up to 11 for this game. No, wait, let's turn it up to 16. Yes, so yeah, I mean, I don't know of any time in history when a two-handed Daito blade has been wielded outside of the military. (laughs) Things you find in military surplus these days. Yeah. Okay, so as as far as, like, the level itself doesn't have all that much story until you get to the boss, I think. 
or a little bit. So, but a lot of it is like you're going through their edition of Downtown Denver, just cutting your way through a bunch of cops with the occasional uh, UG. You have to like fight your way through an office building, to, which is it's sort of cool to have Raiden in this really everyday environment where you can like walk up to the desks and the chairs and just completely cut them into little pieces for no reason. Oh man, I just realized like why didn't this why did this take place in Denver, not Detroit? <laughs> <laughs> a little too on the nose, I guess. That's fair. Also, uh, it, it's more in character for Armstrong to be the Colorado senator. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Uh, okay. Um, so you have to fight a helicopter when you're on a rooftop when you fight your way up. And then uh, once again, you have the thing where uh, Blade Wolf is along, but they couldn't figure out a good way to have him be part of the stage when you're fighting. So I will scout ahead right in. I think this time he says, I will patrol ahead. Yeah, something like that. Which implies he's doing a circuit. And uh, so so Blade Wolf tells you to go underground. There's like an abandoned underground railroad thing, which is where you get to learn how to... You, have, you get to try to fight Mastiffs in the dark, which is pretty annoying, actually. Oh, yeah. But um, I think before this part, though, in order to get to that underground subway... Raiden just walks up to an elevator. He just jumps on top of an elevator. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and he just cuts through the cable like he does not care. Yeah, he just rides it down. But, but like, I did that, and I was like, oh, shit, I fucked up. Raiden's going to die. I'm going to have to restart and figure out what I did wrong. <laughs> yeah, just this is a really tall skyscraper, too. It's, it is like seven seconds of falling, or probably not that long, but yeah, it feels really long. <laughs> And, it, like, he's falling so fast, he's just kind of floating above the falling elevator car. But, of course, that's not even enough to stun him. Unlike everything else in this game. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's true. He doesn't, you get that BMI error a lot. Oh, yeah, so it, we talked about fighting UGs. So this file introduces a new-ish UG. So the boss of file R02, the grad... It turns out that it's got a mass-produced model. It isn't as strong or as durable as the boss version, but it is still kind of a stun machine. So practice that parrying. Uh, so so yeah, yeah, one of the things that's a little weird and slightly annoying is that uh, Raiden has an AR mode, which lets you actually see in the dark and distinguish what's what. And it's actually really handy when you're walking around just because it shows you where items are. Oh, and where all the enemies are. Yes. And and but like finding items, certain some items are kind of useless and some are really useful. And you if you can find the repair nano pastes and things like that, then that is a huge help. So it's worth it to use AR to search around for stuff. But when you're in the dark, it's the only way you can really see stuff, except that if you ninja run or attack, it switches off automatically, and like you can't turn it back on while you're fighting. Yeah, though if you do fight in this tunnel area, you go into like a weird kind of halfway AR mode where you can see the environment, but it still looks darker. I don't know. Yeah, you can just barely see the stuff that's really close to you, basically. But yeah. Oh, by the way, what items did you feel weren't especially useful? I'm just curious. Um, like regular grenades and rockets. The the homing rockets are a bit better. Mm. The basically the ones that were like raw offense, especially, are just kind of yeah, like 
just because his sword is so ridiculously good. Yeah, I get a lot more use out of the specialty grenades like EM and Red Phosphorus. Uh, but yeah, uh, so after Raiden comes out into the daylight again, he's walking around downtown Denver killing cyborg cops. Um, your move, creep. Uh, and that's where you get to a part where Jetstream Sam starts showing up on like every video screen and a hollow projector. And he's telling you with his Brazilian accent about how like, oh, you know, they, you think they really have a choice? Uh, you think they aren't scared? And like he does something so that like Raiden hears the thoughts of the guys he's fighting. They half bother to explain it. I think you can call doctor and doctor to basically just go, yeah. Oh yeah. Science is weird, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The rough way that it sort of says it does it is that they're all equipped with these emotion inhibitors. They still have those thoughts, but like not the emotions associated with them or some really weird things. But it's basically everything that they would be feeling if they didn't have the inhibitors. Yeah, and like that completely freaks Raiden out so that you end up doing this like walk of shame level where like he can only very slowly walk and do light attacks that are kind of slow with his sword. And you have to make your way to the uh, the World Marshal building that way. It reminded me a little bit of like a much toned down version of the part of Near Automata when uh, 2B is, gets infected with a virus and like every, all her systems start going worse and worse as you go. Uh, so so we're getting up to where Raiden arrives at the World Marshal building. Oh yeah, so the sort of build-up to this sort of scene is that Raiden, this whole time, has been talking about how these guys like deserve it because they chose this life. You know, they're terrorists, etc. But a lot of the thoughts are stuff like, oh hey, I didn't know what I was signing up for, or I needed to find feed my family, or Nobody would hire me after I lost that arm or other things like that. So it's basically about like, you know, how even though they're fighting on behalf of this terrible organization, you know, they're doing it because they're kind of desperate and don't have anywhere else to go, which uh, sounds a lot like certain real life organizations. Yeah, there's a lot in this game. We talked a bit about it last time that like it talks a lot about like kind of depressingly real systemic issues that you can't like Raiden has to face the fact that like there's not a good way to deal with it by cutting through guys yeah by the way um when Aaron mentioned that you do kind of a light attack when you push the attack button while he's sort of stumbling around in a emotional daze like it actually hits really hard <laughs> this is a ranked fight and you can s rank it hmm. yeah so if you hit an enemy once it'll usually knock them over and if you hit them a second time, then it usually kills them. Also, Raiden could probably use some emotional inhibitors, but Maverick explicitly has a thing prohibiting the use of those. So once you finally arrive at the the, uh, the front plaza in front of the World Marshal building, um, Sam is there, and but the other guy there is uh, the other boss, Monsoon, who is kind of a cool design and one of the most obnoxious boss fights in this whole game. He's possibly not in just a history of boss fights. Yeah, yeah. So, like, the his design is, like, he, you know, he has a full cyborg body, but, like, it's made of these separate pieces that are held together by, like, glowing purple electromagnetic whatever, so he can just, like, separate them at will. 
which he regularly does in order to like dodge attacks and stuff. So like when you first see him, he jumps off of the building and like his parts separate like a slinky and come back together. And it's kind of cool. Huh? Yeah. And he wields a pair of sides that are like electromagnetic that he can throw great distances and stuff. Yeah. So his deal here is that he basically starts taunting Raiden about Raiden's ideals and all of that stuff. Yeah. Uh, so uh, Monsoon, they don't give his real name. I, I don't think that Monsoon is a real Cambodian name, but he's Cambodian and he mentions having been in Phnom Penh, which I looked up because I hadn't heard of it before. And it was like the major capital city of Cambodia um, starting when uh, during the French colonial era. And some very bad shit went down there with the Khmer Rouge. Yeah, that's actually Monsoon's, uh, you know, he's named after the storms in that area. That's actually monsoon's origin story like he was a guy who survived the khmer rouge and just sort of grew up with this terrible ideology which will be explained shortly but in an interesting note during a codec call they point out that yeah tons of people survived the khmer rouge without becoming a cackling villain so you can't really (laughs) excuse that behavior which, you know, puts makes me start thinking about a lot of other villains with tragic backstories. That, and he started going on and on about memes, the DNA of the soul. Guys, I think we should have a segment here. So, what meme is the DNA of your soul? And... <laughs> I'm going to say Nyan Cat. Grant? Uh, I'm going to say, hmm, let's see, uh... I keep thinking about the moth and flame thing, but that's just because it's recent. I'm pretty sure there's something a little more, uh, gosh, what is the meme? <laughs> I don't think we need to spend too much time on this. And mine is Tamp Tamp. Ah, Stephen knows me tamping down the soft earth. I don't think I know that one. <laughs> Back to Monsoon. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, so his thing here is he talks about how memes are the DNA of the soul. You can pass ideas down from one generation to another. You can spread ideas around. Like, if you wear a shirt and somebody else thinks it's cool, they start wearing it, and then that spreads around, and they become a vector for it also. Also, um, it's worth noting that there's an Easter egg here, because there's a part where, like, it's a cutscene, and then there's a cutscene, and then in the middle there's a part where... uh, you, you can control the camera like from Raiden's perspective, and if you turn to the right, there's a weird random, just for no reason, there's a part where one of the random cyborg soldiers sees a cat and like gets on his hands and knees to try to pet it. Not just a cat, I'm pretty sure this is the exact cat from all the way in Abkhazia. It's the <laughs> it's, cat gets around. Yeah, it's, it's white. It looks like it's probably the same character model. Yeah, so this conversation eventually leads, uh, Monsoon and Raiden's conversation, I mean, uh, eventually leads to revealing about Jack the Ripper, which is fun because that's when the voice actor for Raiden starts really hamming it up. Oh, yeah. So the general idea here is if you, for people who haven't played Metal Gear Solid 2, Raiden himself is a child soldier, and he earned the nickname Jack the Ripper because he became really good and really terrifying at killing so this whole time he's been trying to suppress that side of himself, 
talking about how his sword is a tool for justice and saying that the people he slices apart all deserve it. And when Sam forces him to look at the consequences of his actions and Monsoon forces him to look at his philosophy, his memes, you know, he has to decide, is his sword a tool of justice or is he, you know, just, you know, how is he going to reconcile fighting for justice and butchering lots of people? And the solution is apparently by leading a whole hog into butchering people. Yeah, like he purposely lets a one of the cyborg soldiers just like run him through completely with a sword and lets the gut blood gush out. Oh, he starts laughing. <laughs> yeah, and he tells he specifically tells Doctor to turn off his pain inhibitors. And then finally, when they're finally ready to fight, he says, Jack's back and he's ready to rip, which is the most fantastic line. Yeah. Uh, and this fight, though, they don't give you a tutorial about it until the start of the next chapter. I guess probably because it's not especially important here is that you have infinite ripper mode. Yeah, so ripper mode is you, you push the two uh, uh, thumbsticks down, analog sticks, and it activates ripper mode. And normally it would like consume your uh, fuel gauge pretty quickly, but while it lasts, um, normal enemies you just kill in one hit yeah yeah it is it hits hard but because you can't fight monsoon in anything but ripper mode to nobody knows how much it actually helps against that fight its effective effect i suppose in this fight is that you have unlimited blade mode so you know after that whole serious discussion and then raiden sort of choosing to lean into his inner darkness and all this other serious stuff it's time to fight a cackling crash test dummy ninja that survived the Khmer Rouge <laughs> yeah and like like I like we said before use EM grenades on him because that makes it so much bear, more bearable yeah his gimmick is that he can turn his magnets on or off and when they're on he's surrounded by this purple glow and while he's glowing he automatically dodges any sword attack, but EM grenades aren't swords. Yeah, so so long story short, uh, you kill him, and pretty spectacularly too. Like he throws a stone monument with apparently with like re metal rebar inside, so they can control it with, with magnetism, and Raiden runs up it to impale him. Then Monsoon, he doesn't seem especially torn up about being killed because. This is just what his philosophy says. You're the strong, kill the weak, and that's just the rule of nature, I guess. Yes, the rules of nature. Oh, and uh, I should point this out, even though I know it's probably should be assumed every time by now, but Monsoon's theme is awesome. Yeah, pretty much all of the themes are awesome. So, But yeah, that pretty much ends uh, file R03. Oh yeah, it's time to enter the World Marshal building. Oh, and one thing I should point out, during the monsoon fight, you can still use the codec, and the codec calls get really weird, because there are some calls <laughs> that use Raiden's normal voice, and then some calls from the Jack voice. Yeah, especially like uh, Courtney, who's just like, hey, hey, Raiden, are you okay? Yeah, I'm great. <laughs> Jack's back. Okay. You wanted to save? <laughs> yeah. I'm, the fact that he can go back and forth with in Ripper mode just because he's doing <laughs> yeah. it yeah. is really good. It, it's him and uh, Christopher Nolan Batman. 
Where are they? <laughs> oh yeah, I mean, uh, are you? Why, why are you doing the voice? I don't know what you mean. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I'm he... not doing a voice. I'm Batman. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like even Raiden's normal voice is him still doing a bit. Yeah. <sighs> okay. Uh, so yeah, but the the electric side you can buy because it, 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 it between every chapter you go to the customized mode, and that's one of the, every time. Or most of the time when you beat a regular cyborg person boss, you have the option to buy their weapon afterwards. And the Psy is actually one of the better ones. Yeah, it has this trait. So during the fight, Monsoon will throw his scythe at you. And then it will... Nah, Psy, not Scythe, derp. And then uh, there's this chain of electricity that connects the Psy to his hand. And then it, it... just sort of pulls him along the line of electricity for a kick. Now you have that. Yeah, it, it is so good for like all kinds of stuff. For like when you're fighting aerial enemies, when you need to get up to guys really fast, and the electricity can stun guys sometimes. And yeah, the way the electricity works is that it's on a five second cooldown. It'll flash purple when it's ready for use again, and yeah, it stuns. And even if it's not ready yet. It pulls right into whoever he's hitting, which is great for shaving seconds off of VR missions. And if you play the game again, it's you can you start with all of the stuff you bought, so that it makes the earlier missions that much easier to deal with. Yeah. So yeah. Oh yeah. Also, the electric psi is named Dystopia because, of course, Monsoon would name it that. Yeah. So yeah, uh, you go into the World Marshal building and it has this giant, giant uh, lobby, um, and there's. There's what appears to be a lady behind the desk, except if you go behind the desk, you can see that it's just a torso attached to, like, a metal arm. She's a robot. Yeah, and if you cut her in half, she says, You have chosen speak with an agent. (laughs) (laughs) And if only you could do that with your telephone. Yes. So this is is where the game actually tells you about Ripper Mode, and if you want, you can try it out on the guys there. But, um... Because a bunch of cyborgs and also some of the robot dogs and stuff attack you in the lobby. This part, it, until you meet, until you run into Sundowner, the, the, who's going to be the boss, uh, you don't like. Th- this is a kind of more of a procedural part, although there's some cool bits to it. Because um, like you, you have to like go through this office and you have to like destroy electrical panels so that Doctor can turn the elevator on for you. Uh, there's a part that's done up as a huge Japanese garden. Um, and uh, for that, I want to mention, um, if you play the Jetstream DLC mission, which is, it's like an hour long, you get a cutscene where Monsoon and Senator Armstrong are walking through that area, and that's where you learn something that's very in character for Armstrong, which is that he hates Cherry Blossom. I love that, because that seems like the most overt way a Japanese writer can signal that Americans are there. <laughs> yeah, he really, really hates them. They only bloom for a week. Disgusting. <laughs> and the thing is, like, if you go to DC, like, there are a bunch of cherry blossom trees there that were, like, a gift from the Japanese. And, like, if you were complaining about how much pollen they put in the air, that would be, like, a legitimate complaint. But, like, it bugs him that people find something fragile to be pretty. That's basically what it is. And we'll, we'll get more into his philosophy later. But, yeah. yeah. But, yeah. I, I liked how they, they put the environment together, the, this whole, like, series of traditional Japanese stuff. It, like, with cherry trees and, like, uh, like traditional style wooden buildings and rooftops, you can run across, like, a ninja. 
Yeah, they even painted the ceiling to look like you're outside at night. Like, if you climb up high enough, you can see it's obviously painted on, but from way down below, because normal people don't jump on rooftops, <laughs> it looks really good. Mm -hmm. Oh, one more thing about Ripper Mode that I should mention, which involves going back very slightly. So, do you remember the cardboard box? I think this is, uh, they introduced the oil drum at this area, or is it later? I think you actually introduced it earlier, back in the city. Oh, okay. So, back in the city, you have the oil drum, which works like the cardboard box, in that, you know, you can use it to hide from enemies, and if you're wearing the mariachi outfit, Raiden just puts the hat on top of the oil drum, totally not suspicious. It's superior to the, oil, the uh, cardboard box in one way, in that, if you try to sprint inside the drum, Raiden will tip it over onto its side and roll along <laughs> inside of it. And Fantastic. If you do this for about 15 seconds, he will leave the oil drum and start <laughs> on it. Yeah, because cyborg technology isn't strong enough to <laughs> deal with that. But one more thing with the sprint. So when you sprint, the oil drum sort of leans forward and tips and... That will damage an enemy, so we'll running into them. <laughs> and if you activate Ripper mode, you can kill most enemies in three oil drum tips. That's incredible. I think I might actually like this game now. <laughs> oh god, this I, I do really appreciate the goofy side of Metal Gear in general. Yeah, I think it's kind of necessary to balance like the fact that every single problem in Metal Gear is a real-life problem. Yeah, I think it's really up its own ass sometimes, but then other times, just really goofy shit. And, and there's more to come in Metal Gear Rising, too. Um, but uh, So, anyway, Japanese Garden, you fight your way through. There's more of the same cyborg guys there. Um, and then you have the you have to take a freight elevator up, and you have to, like, fight guys on there. And, like, uh, there's a part where, like, another freight elevator comes along beside it and you have to, you have to like jump off and get onto the other one. It, it's kind of a cool action scene. It's not super interesting story-wise, um, but that leads you to where you, uh, where right in confront sundowner in the, the server room and the server room is actually where they're currently storing all the little children brains that they've taken. And so here we have the child brain industrial complex and Sundowner is just really, really just so annoyed about human rights. Now, what did he say about human rights again? Uh, uh, he just like, he, he, I can't remember how he phrased it exactly, but it was just like, you know, why, like, why can't we have war? Like, oh, oh, human rights, this genocide, that atrocity, atrocity, whatever. Yeah, I should mention that I think Sundowner, before he became a cyborg, he fought in Desert Storm and decided he would... And I guess decided he liked it so much the first time he decided to fight in the Iraq war when the second one, then he lost a limb and then joined, became a cyborg. Yeah. So uh, he, he tells you that kids can be cruel, Jack. And then he also tells you that uh, demand for PMCs is going to skyrocket like the good days after 9-11. That something is going to happen in three hours, which is where we, yeah. where the, the game starts barreling towards the climax. Yeah, I think we skimmed over my favorite line in the game, where he says, you know, kids can be cruel, Jack, and I'm very in touch with my inner child. Yes! <laughs> yeah, he, he really is in that respect, because, oh. yeah. Yeah. Like, one of... So, you, you're in this big, giant thing, which has been um, 
euphemismized as the server room, which is a ton of cooling towers, which have like literally dozens, maybe a couple hundred little pods that can eject and contain a child brain in a cyborg casing. Like at one point in the fight, or not the fight, in the talk, Sam, you know, opens, you know, picks up one of the casings and like the little eyes on it look like surprisingly scared without having any eyebrows to emote with. But the the little thing that looks like a spine on it, like starts to wriggle really quickly, like it wants to get away. So then uh, the, he puts the brain back because neither of them want to see the kids physically hurt. And it, it, it should be, we should mention that the reason why they're doing this is they're putting the kids through VR training to turn them into child soldiers. So they're like going, you know, they're in their little brain cases and they're going in virtual worlds having to like kill POWs and stuff. I was going to say, the thing that's really creepy here is that Sundowner talks about how they give the kids an endorphin rush every time they do, every time they kill a prisoner or kill a civilian so that they start to get addicted to it. Yeah. He talks about like, oh yeah, you know, these kids are going to get a top of the line education. And then when they graduate, they get a shiny new cyborg body. Yeah. All right. So uh, he leads you to the roof so that the, the brains don't get damaged or anything. Not because he cares about them, but because he their merchandise um and so you're on this helipad where you have the boss battle and he brings out his explosive armor so he has these six uh red colored armor plates and if you hit them an explosion throws you back yeah it's like some weird mix between like solar panels and the reactive armor on tanks in the middle east now yeah, it's it's weird. It's kind of a neat concept, and like if you're if you do it right, you can actually cut those off. Not that you need to to beat him. Yeah. So the one of the things he does is he'll like rush at you, and then try to smash into you with the panels. But Raiden can, of course, use some uh, QTE to sort of pull the six panels apart from each other before they can impact and then there these panels move around on little arms and you can cut the arms off also if he raises the six panels up in like a full shield in front of him you can go into blade mode and there'll be a few they look like zandatsu points and if you hit all of them in one stroke then it also throws off his balance and you can start cutting the arms off yeah, so the the the, uh, the fight has like when you get him down to almost dead, and the fight has a big finish where you like get knocked down a building, and then you ride one of the sliders and up through the building while his things are exploding, and then fling the slider at him so that the helicopter he's riding on explodes. Oh yeah, it is ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty awesome. The slider rider stage, um, and then you have the when uh, Raiden talks to his friends on the codec. They realized that because he said that uh, something's going to happen in three hours and Mach 2 wouldn't be fast enough. Yeah, um, he also gives that dying speech too, right? Yeah. Or does all he? Of the, all of the cyborg bosses do. Okay. I think he talks about the three hours thing again just because the game designers wanted you, you to be sure that you remembered it, I guess. Mm. The one thing they wanted you to remember in this game. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, so, so, uh, so basically, the the 
the Maverick team realized that the most likely thing is that someone is going to target the president's visit to Pakistan, but how are they going to get there? Then they realized that if they use a RLV, reusable launch vehicle, they could get there at Mach 23 and it'd only take half an hour. Oh yeah, oh yeah. So he, Sundowner was bragging about how even with Mach 2, you wouldn't make it in time. Yeah. So who needs Mach 2 when you have Mach 23? Yeah. Which I assume is 11 times for, I, for I math. So. I think it's not like... Uh... The Richter scale. I think it is a straight train. Well, let's see. Actually, we can uh, edit out me googling this, and then I can come back in and sound smart. So, my, <laughs> yeah, my browser is frozen. That's cool. By the way, does Soundowner's cyborg armor look really dumb to anyone else? Very. Like it's got this. It, it is kind of goofy. I think. Yeah, but I, I mean, like a, a big potato man version of the general cyborg aesthetic of. Uh... Mm. Yeah, he's he's a round boy, which is very strange in this. Yeah, and well, it's like it's an artificial body. They didn't have to do that, but <laughs> they, but like I mentioned last time, they give him a big round Santarin head. Oh, so Mach is just the speed of sound. So Mach two is fifteen thirty four point fifty four miles an hour, and Mach twenty three is seventeen thousand six hundred forty seven point two miles an hour. So yeah, that is really huh. fast. Formula for appropriate result, multiply a speed value, or for an approximate result, multiply a speed value by 767.269. Nice. And also for an approximate result, that's that's to three decimal places. That's insane. <laughs> yep. Yay, science. Mm. Um, all right. So uh, after that cutscene ends, we go to uh, file R05. Uh, so, so it turns out that uh, Raiden knows someone who has an RLV that they can use. But first, he has to get out of Denver, um, and so you you in the uh, in the customized screen, you now have access to uh, Sundowner's weapon, his giant machete scissors thing called Bloodlust. Yeah. So the thing about Bloodlust is that it is a slow, hard hitting weapon, but it is I am not kidding here. It is really slow and really hard hitting, and you can charge it up like. There are these super heavy cyborgs that we've fought by now. and Like the guys with the huge hammers? Yeah, this thing will, like, kill them in three hits. Damn. Yeah, and while you're charging up an attack or through some of the attack animations, you get super armor. So if you get hit, you only take a little bit of damage and it doesn't interrupt the attack. Yeah, I think on my playthrough, I used the... I used Bloodlust a ton. I mostly just took them off if I specifically needed the to fight an aerial enemy. But basically, I kept it on unless I needed the pole arms reach, the stun slash hook ability of dystopia, or if I just needed a red hot kick. Uh, red hot kick. Uh, red hot kicky peppers. Um, that's how my brain works. Uh, okay, so uh, get a cutscene where like uh, Raiden and Doctor leaving. Uh, Denver with with a big old cargo helicopter full of kid brains, um, except that two uh, uh, drone fighters come after them through the air, and the the helicopter is not quite equipped enough for combat. That way, it does have like these EMP things that uses to neutralize some missiles, drones fire, but uh, Raiden has to get out of the plane, out of the copter to deal with them. So he goes and lands on one, 
jabs his sword in the right place. So then it, the light on it uh, turns from uh, red to blue so that you know that it's a good drone now. He uses that <laughs> to, ride, to cut the other drone in half. It only bombs evil weddings. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, man. Oh, terrible. Um, so, so Doctor valiantly tries to catch him, which is a challenge when he's, you know, in a helicopter, and helicopters aren't good at catching people who are falling from above because of those whole rotor blade things. And th- that's one of the many times in this, or one of the three times in the game when uh, Raiden has something just barely scrape his chin. <laughs> but, like, he needs to get a, re- a like, heat-resistant chin at some point installed. But, uh, so, so Raiden falls, and Again, the tiny thing that like he's just ridiculously fall resistant. Apparently, so he lands in Denver, and you have to like fight some more Denver private cop cyborg guys, and yeah. then you get a cutscene where he he needs to find a ride. I should mention uh, though. So after Raiden falls from the helicopter down into the city, Doctor looks really sad and says, "Your sacrifice will not be forgotten, my friend." <laughs> Like, he, he genuinely believes that a fall from that distance would kill Raiden. And he's the guy who, like, <laughs> built his body. Like, he should know better, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God, there's one thing about the cyborg body. So, um, have you seen the codec call where Raiden asks Doctor about if he's gotten a cybernetic body? Or if he he's thought about getting a cybernetic body? Uh, I watched all the codec calls, albeit sometimes in the background while I was doing other stuff, because there's six hours of them, but I... Tell us about that. <laughs> so the general idea is that Doctor isn't... He sounds kind of offended about the idea at first, and it turns out it's because the only... He is an expert in his field, and he thinks that like he is the only person he can trust to do the surgery correctly. <laughs> but he, he says that, oh, you know, there could be a day when somebody else is somebody I can trust with my brain surgery, but, you know, not now, and I'm still relatively young-ish. And then he talks about how, like, he might try to get, like, a young female cyborg body or something. <laughs> like, which which kind of matches with another thing he talked about earlier when he talks about mixed reality and talks about, oh, hey, what if there was a thing projecting a thing to make me look like a young buxom woman, perhaps? <laughs> something like that. So I feel like he has definitely thought about this. Doctor confirms transgender, yeah. I'm going to say that too, so we have a quorum now. Yep. Uh, so once you finish fighting your way through the cops, you get a cutscene where Raiden is looking for a ride out of... looking for a vehicle to ride out of Denver. So to be nice and inconspicuous, he grabs some guy's custom Harley and uses his sword to scratch an apology and his phone number in the sidewalk. Yeah, it is like... His written apology is like the size of a car or something. <laughs> he didn't like grab the tip of his sword and then carefully carve the letters. No, this is like... Oh yeah, one thing uh, I should mention though is that if the uh, Jetstream Sam DLC, it turns out this is Sam's bike. Oh, okay. That's, <laughs> yeah. Well, he doesn't have to worry about returning it, I guess. But um, Okay, so... Uh, files R05 and R06 are really short compared to all the other ones. Uh, but so that's the end of 05 and we move on to 06. So Raiden is out driving on the hog and going down the highway when he stops. And it turns out that he stopped because he sees Blade Wolf chatting with Sam in the middle of the highway. 
Yeah, Blade Wolf has had this, like, respect relationship towards Sam, I guess. Though they, I don't know, they didn't play it up a whole lot, so it, feel, it does feel a little weird. Yeah, it kind of came out of nowhere to me. Well, if you play the Blade Wolf DLC, like, pretty much everyone else in Desperado treats him, treats Blade Wolf like garbage. But anyway, so Raiden and Sam are going to have a fight, because they're, they're two samurai guys who are going to fight, and... Uh, Sam has one of the most self-aware lines in the whole game when he says, we've both heard enough speeches about higher causes by now. <laughs> uh, yeah. And so you, you have a, like, it's one of the more actually, like, straightforward fights in the game. Like, like they're, they're like it's possible to disarm Sam, and then he does, like, hit attacks and, like, does rushing grabs at you, but, like, he, he doesn't, like... It's not like uh, Monsoon, where there's parts where he makes it impossible to hit him or anything like that. Yeah, thing is really straightforward, and he and he dies without neither exploding nor giving a farewell speech. <laughs> yeah, when you stab him, he just sort of bleeds and then dies, and then Raiden comments, "Oh, hey, he had barely any cyborg enhancements," which I assume means that like. Only his arm is cybernetic. Like, the rest of him is still the original. Well, it's not clear what all that armor he has on is, whether it, that that's implants or just something he's wearing. But, yeah, it, it you can't really tell. But it's definitely less than the other guys. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, it turns out that the, the uh, Murasame sword that Sam was using has an ID lock, so Wolf says that he will hang on to it but not before Raiden has a chance to do a super melodramatic samurai sword sheathing against the setting sun. And I can't believe I actually <laughs> said that. Oh god, I yeah, I did not catch that. <laughs> uh, but yeah, yeah, and that's chapter, that's file R06 in its entirety. It's pretty much a uh, boss fight bookended with cutscenes. And this time you actually don't get to buy the boss's weapon. You, you can get it if you replay the game afterwards, after you finish final chapter but uh for reasons that we'll get into you don't have access to it yet another thing i should have mentioned earlier when you equip a boss's weapon it takes the place of the heavy attack button yeah so which is why you don't get access to red hot kick if you equip them but the murasame blade or high frequency murasame yeah the magic sword sam sword the red the red one yeah if you equip that, it just replaces Raiden's normal high-frequency katana. And I think it does better damage. The, the big thing is that it can do charged-up attacks. Yeah, the thing about the Morisame sword they mention is that when you make a sword high-frequency, the damage is still being done by the blade. So the better the sword you have, the stronger it'll be as a high-frequency blade. They talk about how Sam's sword was... I don't know where his sword came from. No, he said he got his sword passed down from his father. Mm -hmm. And I assume that it's been, yeah, it's like that anime thing where old things are more powerful. Yes. Like prototypes don't just catch on fire and overheat. <laughs> yes. Old things are powerful and vibrating things are powerful. Therefore, an old vibrating thing is the most powerful thing of all. <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh... <laughs> Stay away uh, from stay away from the sex toy museum. <laughs> that's where that's where Killmonger is going to do his next heist. Uh, okay, so uh, let's get into file R 7 
Uh, so this is where you, you have a cutscene with uh, Raiden arriving at Solus. And you have, the first thing you see is a security guard who is eating pizza and reading and really, really excessively enjoying Moe magazine, which is plastered with doe-eyed anime girls. And you, you, he says to himself, Hikari-chan, so kawaii. Oh, hey, I remembered what d- meme is the DNA of my soul. Slowpoke. <laughs> nice. <laughs> womp womp. Good one. Thanks. I'm still more proud of Raiden's least favorite anime, but... <laughs> one Piece. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, yeah, so so anyway, uh, so the security guard is there, and Blade Wolf suddenly appears at his window, and the security guard is like, Are you Mr. Raiden? And then Raiden opens the doors, and so we. this is where we meet Sunny, who is uh, Sunny Emmerich, who is age 11 at this point, and she's the head of Solus and designed the space plane. And Wolf actually really S-O-L-I-S, likes her. Uh, not S-O-U-L-E-S-S. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so, I, I'm again, I'm not really up on Metal Gear, but she's uh, Otakon's adopted daughter from the earlier games. Uh, what sort of happened is that... Uh, I'm going to try to figure out how to describe this without going too into detail, both for time and because I'm not informed enough to be an authority. But there was a woman in Metal Gear Solid 2, uh, Olga Gerlukovich, who did work for the Patriots because they had kidnapped her child. So she was kind of a cyborg ninja there. But uh, in Metal Gear Solid 4, it turns out that the Patriots did experiments on the child and now she is super smart. Huh. Yeah, and then uh, Otacon, uh, short for Otaku Complex uh, Convention. <laughs> otaku Complex, when you're only attracted to Otaku. <laughs> yes, that's, I can only. Yes, oh. I only find pleasure if there's at least one other body pillow in the bed. <laughs> <laughs> but, um. It's like something out of one of my Japanese animes. <laughs> now to piss myself for some reason. Uh. No, but anyway, <laughs> yeah, who who let him adopt? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's the weirdest part of it to me. Yeah, yeah, they, yeah, who knows? So yeah, Hal Emmerich, aka Otacon, gets to adopt Sonny Grulukovich and then change her last name because I guess he has that power. Also, I like that they call him Otacon, as though like it's spelled O T A K O N, like. Like from Otaku, but they call him Otacon, like he's one of the guys who fights the Deceptibots. <laughs> I was thinking about an otter convention. Yeah, that'd be cool. Did you know otters have a favorite rock and they keep it in like a fur pocket? I did not know that. Same. I did see the <laughs> I did get to see the otters close up at the uh, Monterey Bay Aquarium a few months ago and Aww. they were adorable. I, uh. I heard the the guide there saying, Oh, they they don't actually like to be touched like at all. Same. <laughs> Name. Uh, uh anyway so yeah so so sunny welcomes him to the base and she she really likes wolf and wolf likes her and like he he was willing to uh to shake sunny's hand and like deliberately snubs right in when he asks for a shake <laughs> it's great and this sort of comes back in the dlc which we'll mention later yep. um but yeah so i mean basically th- this is just setting up that they wanted to bring Sonny back as a character and it set up for the for him taking the space plane and the space plane 
the RLV like ride in and Wolf get in and it launches. And then we cut to Pakistan. Like I feel like they could have done a better job showing it in flight, but it's pretty much they show it taking off, and then they show Raiden getting out of the like landing pod that they had. By the way, is anybody a little disappointed that Raiden gets into a spaceship and doesn't go on to fight in space? <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's yeah. That that feels like an inevitability, except that, that there there's not doesn't seem likely that there's going to be a Metal Gear Rising two. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so welcome to Pakistan, and you're outside this military base, and you have to like fight your way in. Yeah, and it is swarming with Desperado troops, or World Marshal, I forget which. Um, I think it's Desperado. Well, the thing is, like they they partic- they deliberately like are using blank uh, uh, EXIF. EXIF, yeah, the, the friend yeah. or foe identifier <laughs> things, which is not what legitimate mercenaries do in this world yeah it's like it's world marshal posing as desperado uh, okay so, so the idea here is to make it look like a terrorist attack instead of an assassination yeah or a terrorist assassination yeah, yeah can be both yeah true the, the point is they don't want it to be clear that they're american guys being deliberately sent in hmm. uh but yeah so you, you have to fight them um one thing that was really kind of annoying was that boris uh, from Maverick actually calls you and says, "Don't worry about those guys. Just just concentrate on getting to the end or whatever." And like there are invisible walls, and you actually have to fight off all of the guys to <laughs> proceed. Yeah, yeah. At the very least, it's a short level, yeah. even if they do have like a high number of those uh, hammer guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, so but I mean that's pretty much just straight up gameplay, no story stuff per se. Um, but eventually you get there and you f- you find that a wolf has been seriously damaged and then a giant Metal Gear pops out of the ground. Like like tearing apart the concrete and Raiden has to do cool ninja jumps in a cutscene to get out. Yeah, this is like an old school Metal Gear, like a big gigantic walker with a pilot. Yeah, it has like eight or ten limbs to it and it, it's painted red and black. Yeah. And it has... Two of its limbs are huge sword arms that glow orange. If you view it from above, it's the Desperado logo. Oh, nice. Which, huh. yeah, it is. That's a little bit much. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you're, what gets me though is like, they're trying to say, oh yeah, this was an assassination. We're going to kill the president. And then like, what kind of president needs a metal gear <laughs> to assassinate? Uh, they wanted to really, really assassinate him, I guess. But I don't know if it's like this point in the timeline, but I feel like Metal Gear proliferation is almost deliberately absurd. Mm. Oh yeah, true. There is some of the stuff in the codec call later. And also thinking about it, there is a U.S. president who is able to fight off a Metal Gear. Oh yeah. But even in Metal Gear Solid 2, the very opening is like, you know, even NGOs have their own Metal Gear, which I want to see the UNICEF Metal Gear. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Better donate for this Halloween. Better. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, a big, gigantic robot bursts out of the ground. Then uh, something slides open. Yeah, like the, the pod that the pilot sits in pops out and opens up. And you meet Senator Armstrong from the great state of Colorado. And the first thing he says is, well, if it isn't Saucy Jack. Saucy Jack, by the way, is how Jack the Ripper signed his letters. (laughs) (laughs) Also his brand of barbecue sauce. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So they I think at this point, the mention 
uh, right in talks about like how the attack on the president has failed mm-hmm. because he killed all the cyborgs. Yeah, and basically uh, Armstrong tells him to look at the internet and... No, he sell- tells him, have you looked at the web lately, son, <laughs> or something like that. <laughs> yeah, he, he, the, the way he talks is fantastic, but yeah. So with help from Boris, uh, he looks at the internet and they're, they're already reporting it as a terrorist attack. And there's like dumb comments from people saying, we need to boot up their terrorist asses, exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point one. Yeah, Boris is sending angry forwards to write in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so apparently like, you know, in retrospect, actually killing the president is not necessary to cause another terrorist panic because even an attempt will set it off mm-hmm. and they, they get a they get into a very serious discussion of memes and uh armstrong proclaims that we're all sons of the patriots now oh yeah he talks about how the patriots are gone but their memes live on you know so that which is why everyone is the sons of the patriots he talks about how not every single war was like People were waging war long before the Patriots were around, mm-hmm. and did either of you guys play Metal Gear Solid Four? No, nope. The thing of we're all friends of the Patriots now is a really good line. It's insane to me that that's in this game and not a game called Friends of the Patriots. Oh, wait, with Guns of the Patriots? Never mind. I'm an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> that might have been a bit much. Well, Guns of the Patriots also had Sons of the Patriots. Okay, and that's what the SOP stood for. Yeah, which. This is where we keep the guns of the Patriots. That's where we have the sons of the Patriots. That's where we have the funds of the Patriots. Do not confuse them. <laughs> you cannot shoot with little Tommy there. Yeah, he talks about how war is good for the economy and like other just military industrial complex rationalizations. Mm-hmm. And then it's time to fight Metal Gear Excelsis. So if you do a codec call, um, finally getting back to that, thing Char mentioned earlier about Metal Gear proliferation, which is that this is a Metal Gear that was not developed in secret. Like, there were marketing campaigns and other things to sell this big, gigantic killing machine. So the idea is that cyborg technology is getting better and better, which is starting to displace UGs. But if you want to fight cyborgs, you can try to just overwhelm them with pure strength, which is why Metal Gear Excelsis and the big type gears exist, because their niche has kind of come back again. But they also, it doesn't have any nuclear launch capability, so they talk about how it isn't a true Metal Gear, and then say, maybe it was just given the title Metal Gear for marketing purposes so it would sell better. I'm, just, I'm picturing guys on the Metal Gear message boards calling it a Mgino or Metal Gear in name only. <laughs> yeah. Some people think it's kind of the game kind of making a winking nod at its own being in the Metal Gear series without being a stealth game. I could see that, but I think it's also a really interesting point on its own that like the reputation of these potentially world-ending war machines has come to the point where there are now sort of knock off non-metal gears that use it entirely to get people excited about the possibility of it. <laughs> yeah, it's like if people 
were if corporations were developing new atomic bombs and calling one the fattest man (laughs) (laughs) or absolute unit but uh yeah so the fight is a lot of you know getting right into do blade mode to like cut up the the uh excelsis's legs and stuff until eventually in a like qte thing he like rips off one of the swords and you use that to cut it to pieces yeah, and it's it's kind of it's scripted and it's a quick time event, but it's still a spectacular thing to watch. Yeah, it is wonderful. And uh, if you do for that uh, final blade mode, like each attack with that enormous sword is really slow, but they give you it basically infinite blade mode for that attack, so you can stay there for an extremely long time, just chopping it into dozens or hundreds of pieces but the f- game will automatically end blade mode when the song runs out of lyrics <laughs> <laughs> it's like right is like okay yeah i'm gonna i'm in a good pace here i'm gonna keep doing this to the music until i'm done uh yeah so so once that's done like you know metal gear blows up and but armstrong isn't done and he comes out and as we'll learn, the reason why is nanomachine, son. Yeah, so he rushes at Raiden, and Raiden looks at him like, are you insane? Because, like, a person cannot defeat a cyborg. Yeah, like, like he's well, he's, like, Armstrong is well built, like, really, like, cartoonishly so, but, like, he's, he looks like a guy. And But it turns out that he can punch ridiculously hard and take insane amounts of punishment. Yeah, so the so what happens is like first Armstrong like he kicks Raiden and then Raiden just sort of does this really ridiculous cartoony spin up into the air with a like slow motion focus on his face as he reaches the top of his arc. Mm-hmm. And then and they just like drop kicks him when he comes down. There's a sound of a crowd cheering. Oh yeah, the reason by that is is because um when Raiden is like completely confused and asks like how are you so strong then senator armstrong says oh i played college ball <laughs> could have gone pro if i hadn't joined the navy uh uh-huh. just what <laughs> <laughs> yeah then he kicks right in and yeah <laughs> so this is when he finally explains what his actual uh philosophy is because the the stuff about uh like you know, the military-industrial complex stuff was actually what he told people to get elected. And the way I put it was Armstrongism is the worst kind of libertarianism. Like, it's not what real libertarianism is like, but, like, if a guy went around actually proposing this stuff, like, it would be a weird little wing of libertarianism. Yeah, it's like if libertarians really liked the actual effects of libertarianism. Because basically, he wants everyone to be able to fight their own wars, whatever that means, and and he literally says purge the weak, and like he doesn't actually like America, at least not as it is, because of all the bureaucrats and politicians, and he wants to just kind of cleanse everything with fire. Yeah. Oh yeah, and all he's also going to be like a presidential candidate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In fact, you know he here he talks about how his plan once he becomes president, he's going to basically change things so that law shapes to fit man and not the other way around which isn't it kind of both a little 
I mean, yeah, it's there's there's kind of a back and forth, and that's that negotiation is how society works. But he's not a fan of that. Yeah, yeah, he promises to make America back into a beautiful land of the strong, and I quote, "We are going to make America great again." Yeah, like it, it is it is mind boggling that that was in a video game in 2013. Yeah, this is, yeah. I, th- I think we need to do another segment here. If you had to, would you rather vote for Donald Trump or Armstrong? Well, according to the GameFacts.com, a lot of forums, a lot of people say they would vote for Armstrong. You don't get to put this on GameFacts, Grant. <laughs> Trump or Armstrong? <laughs> oh, God. Well, on the one hand, Armstrong is competent, but on the other hand, that's kind of the problem. <laughs> I feel like I would probably vote for Armstrong because Desperado and World Marshal aren't real. So he's just this one really roided up guy. <laughs> I would I would vote for Armstrong just because I would be afraid that he would punch my face off if he found out that I voted against him. <laughs> yeah. Oh, after this is done, we really need to talk about how well they predicted 2018. Oh, man. <sighs> um, yeah. So anyway, um, Armstrong literally breaks... Uh, I don't know why I said literally, but uh, Armstrong is able to break right and sword with his bare hands and it and it's because he has these nano machine things that like black stuff that like flows around his body wherever it needs to be to harden in response to trauma to like prevent sword blows from actually affecting him and it makes him even more absurdly strong um in the uh jet stream dlc uh sam, sam actually fights uh, armstrong as the last boss and at the end of the fight he manages to uh, swing his sword faster than the Danites can keep up with and slices off uh, part of uh, Armstrong's arm. Except that Armstrong then uses the sharpened black part of his arm to stab through uh, Sam's shoulder and then just grabs the severed arm and puts it back on. Yeah, it is ridiculous. Like, um, you're the first codec calls to your the friends before he explains what is going on, like, is they're just completely dumbfounded and confused, but then they kind of figure like, oh, hey, if he had access to this kind of funding and he's this powerful, probably his entire body is made of nanomachines, or at least almost, or most of it anyway. Yeah, like he finally like rips his shirt off and you can see that there's some weird swirly scar things on his giant chest and stuff, and yeah. And, and so, like, Raiden and, uh, Raiden and Armstrong just like have a knockdown, drag out fist fight for a while. I feel like this was. It's interesting that it's sort of a throwback to earlier Metal Gear games, like the fight on the tank against uh, Liquid Snake in the first oh, one. Oh, wow! I didn't even realize. Yeah, they're fighting on top of the. On top of Excelsis, yeah. Yeah, dang, that is. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, I, I like it in that regard. It also feels like it takes six minutes of a basically scripted fist fight. So I kind of wish they had tamped it down a little bit yeah like like it's surprising too because the game is relatively like efficient about how it can communicate things most of the time yeah oh by the way um i should have mentioned earlier metal gear excelsis has its own theme music and then um armstrong has his own theme music Mm -hmm. so i'm and i'm not sure if excelsis is supposed to be like a second theme for armstrong or for excelsis itself Though I guess a codec call mentioned that if Armstrong becomes president, there are going to be herds of Excelsis's wandering the Middle East. 
Yeah, I could see that. So, so yeah, uh, finally what happens is that after Raiden takes just the most ridiculous beating, just like, uh, like Armstrong mounts him and starts pounding on him with his fists and like gets up and stomps on his chest a bunch. Oh, well, there's, there's, there's the great line where like, because uh, after Armstrong explains his philosophy, his true philosophy, right, and says, I was wrong about you. And then Armstrong, like, picks him up and dusts him off and is ready to shake his hand. And then Raiden takes hold of his hand and leans in and says, you're not greedy. You're batshit insane. <laughs> yeah, except he says it like, not like it's a burn, but as if it was a stunning realization. Yeah. <laughs> He's not wrong, but yeah. Um, yeah, so eventually uh, what happens is the uh, uh, Sam's sword unlocks, and so uh, uh, Blade Wolf gives it to him, and that pisses off Armstrong enough to, to uh, that he like punches Blade Wolf into the wreckage of Metal Gear Excelsis, but now Raiden is ready to fight with his sword. Also, at this point, uh, the game just kind of decides that all of your secondary weapons are gone. Huh. I did not notice that. Yeah, like, you still have your healing items, but that's pretty much it. I wonder if it's, like, a technical something. I, I feel like it was it was a thematic choice, but, like, there was no explanation for it. Yeah. The, um, what's it called? The katana, by the way. So what happened was that Sam put a two-hour timer on his katana where... After two hours, it would just unlock for whoever had it. I guess specifically for... Was it two hours? No, not two hours. I forget. Anyway, I guess the idea was that it's... If Raiden's ideals manage to overpower Sam's ideals, then he should have the sword. Mm -hmm. But only after two hours. (laughs) Yep. I guess. He was really gunning for that melodramatic scene i guess <laughs> yeah yeah and so armstrong is mad enough that he like smashes right in through or before the sword unlocks he smashes right in through metal gear excelsis completely and leaves every, both of you in the middle of a giant flaming pit and i i love that right is like my sword is a tool of justice but now i'm not so sure about that besides this isn't my sword <laughs> And then, and then before they fight, uh, like Armstrong is like, "Come on!" And uh, Raiden says, "Okay." And just for a moment, he was one blade man. Yeah. Uh, but then he's then then he ruins it by saying, "Let's dance." Yeah. So then you have one of the harder battles in the whole game. I do appreciate that they made the hardest battle in the game the final boss because there are so many games where there's a harder boss before this. Yeah, like, like uh, Xenosaga Episode 1, for example. Yeah, I hadn't played that one. The very last boss is kind of a pushover, but the boss before him is like ridiculously hard. So, huh. yeah. I think uh, yeah. Grandia 2 had that as well. But anyway, but like he, he like stomps on the ground and makes like molten waves of stuff come up that hits really hard. Like he throws stuff at you that's you can destroy in blade mode, but it's like you have to do you have to cut at the right angle like three times. Yeah, they do give you a bit of mercy here. So when he throws the big giant chunks of Excelsis wreckage at Raiden, each chunk of wreckage has four little Zandatsu points that you can line up, but you only need to line up two of those uh, as long as one of them is on the outside. 
And um, every every now and then he like gets a green glow, and you have to go up and do blade mode to stop him from healing again. Yeah, it is a difficult fight. Yeah. Uh, one one big tip is uh, when he does the thing where he creates cracks on the ground that glow, stand away from the cracks because then those explode. Yeah, it's is it nano machines that let him do that? <laughs> Apparently, because it's not something a person could do. Right, and when he punches the ground and then a fireball of lava erupts and then like sails along the ground to hit right in. That's nano machines too. I, 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 it's either that or there's an active volcano in uh, Pakistan underneath an army base. So pick one. <laughs> well, I mean, where else would you build an army base? Uh, yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, super villains. Um, yeah. So point being after a rather difficult battle, although, much easier if you have a good supply of repair nano paste. Uh, eventually defeat him and like there. Oh, uh, that's another thing is there are quick time events that pop up now and then in the battle, and it's important to note that the buttons that you have to press will change each time randomly. Yeah. Uh, but eventually, like he runs Armstrong through, like like stabs him quicker than the nanites can keep up and rips out his heart. Yeah, and that is the final Zondatsu. Yes. Like, you have to, like, after you do a few quick time events, Raiden goes into blade mode, and what does Zandatsu mean anyway? Uh, like, cut and take, I believe. Huh. So slash and grab? Something like that, yeah. Yeah, okay. I know the Zan is, like, there's a verb, Kiru, which can also be read as Zan, which is, it means, like, cut, but cut in the sense of, like, cut down to kill someone with a sword or other blade. Ah, uh, huh. Interesting that they have a word for cut specifically for that it did yeah it's a very samurai word you run into it in video games a lot yeah so the final zandatsu you actually have to do it several times but you just hit armstrong in his heart and it doesn't change place or anything you just hit that part part where all the weird scarring converges several times until yeah you get to do the final pull yeah, and, like, his heart is, like, covered in, like, weird silver stuff and, like, has long cables so that when he falls to the ground, it, it like, like six feet of cable stretches out from his from Raiden's hand to the chest cavity, and then he crushes it. Wow. And, like, gets yeah. covered in blood, because that's... A... Yeah, and it's, like, some sort of white-ish stuff, too? Or... Yeah, it's, like, white and silver. It's, it's very strange, but he, he, that goes with the nano machines i guess yeah like every other like every other boss in this game he kind of rubs the military industrial complex in raiden's face even as he's dying yeah he says something like oh yeah okay you beat me you've guaranteed that like the status quo will go on for a while more yeah yeah and then he says but at least i've left a worthy successor you jack oh yeah he says that he likes raiden because he doesn't take garbage from anybody and does whatever he wants. Which, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty sure a one-year-old does the same thing. <laughs> Not necessarily a, a laudable trait, that's true. <laughs> but yeah, so so that's the end of Chapter 7. And then you have the ending, uh, which starts with a CNET News Live uh, news report, the anchor talking about how uh, the U.S. and Pakistan are working together on the war on terror Marines are being stationed there. Yeah, and the Chiron says something about... Well, they're talking about that 
subject, the Chiron says something about like a pet or something. Oh yeah, God, what was it? They were the, the it like just cut off when the the anchor was finishing up talking about something about like artificial pets. Like, are they right for your family? Oh, artificial. I thought it was official pet. Oh, <laughs> well, I remember in the Discord channel wrote, "I'm more interested in the official pet than every part of the combat." System. <laughs> oh man, uh, I. I assumed it was like superficial pet, but then I got confused. Well, artificial is my guess. It was, makes actual sense in this context. It makes a lot more pet. sense than having an official pet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I really want to know what the official pet is. Though. Official pet is gecko lizards. <laughs> they have them at Petco. Dog, it's the new cat. We name animals <laughs> after anything now. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, um, so so we, we get to the uh, Maverick offices, and Kevin and Courtney are having a pizza and going about how, like, oh, Ryden did all this stuff, and nothing really changed. But it turns out that uh, Maverick is launching a cyborg staffing agency, and they just got approved, and they're going to have the uh, the brain kids, when they come of age, like, do, like, construction work and nursing home stuff, and that, that's actually a really cool idea. Yeah, it's, hmm. you know, they're free to... The... The kids are free to do whatever they want. They could do manual labor like that. But if they want to go into academia, they specifically point out that they can, you know, the cyborg stuff still gives them an advantage because of George earlier. The, you know, it's the perfect chemical environment for the brain or something. I just want to go back a minute because I was reading through back through the uh, logs on the Discord channel and Grant said the official pet is a tripod. And I really like that. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. <laughs> Look what I got for you, honey. I won't let go of my head. <laughs> and then it does that weird little clapping dance. Uh-huh. Uh, oh, man. Um, but yeah, so then we go to uh, the Solus office where uh, George is helping Sonny out, like carrying boxes around. And George is a little weirdo who says that Sonny is hot for days. And it's like, she's 11. And granted, you are too, but we didn't need to see that. Yeah. And Wolf is there too. And apparently he doesn't. He really doesn't like it when you step on his tail. Oh, yeah, he's like, alert, oh, or something. Alert rescinded. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but then and Sonny reflects on how, like, you know, people say things about Raiden, but the Raiden I know is a hero. The credits roll, and the credits are unskippable, so a decent, like, slow rock song plays over credits and an image of Raiden's sword. And then there's a after credit scene. Yeah, where Boris is talking to Raiden via codec or maybe just cell phone. And he's asking him if he's sure he doesn't want to rejoin Maverick. And Raiden just says, I've got my own war to fight. And then like four cyborgs surround him. Then it turns out that his katana case like decloaks. Mm-hmm. And he says like, I've got my own war to fight. Yeah, <laughs> I do wish kind of like... I know Metal Gear games have an after credits thing, but isn't it always like audio only? Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It felt like a little bit weird to part from. And then the game gives you your final grade, which uh, I think Char mentioned earlier. The um... what Metal Gear Solid gave uh, Metal Gear Revengeance gave me a C, and same to you, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> oh no no um no it was. Oh yeah, the games doesn't rate you by, like, the Metal Gear games usually rate you like something animal, like a foxhound thing. Hmm. Yeah, here it's just a letter grade, which is like based on your letter grades from each stage in battle. 
Yeah, so it gives you a grade from a C to an S. And I'm just going to assume that the S stands for snake. <laughs> uh, all right, well, anyway, that's a great segue to our wrapping up segment. So first off, would you recommend people play uh, Metal Gear Rising Revengeance? I mean, other people seem to like it. <laughs> I think I'm the only person who has the They Live glasses that makes me not like platinum games. <laughs> uh, for me, I would recommend it with the caveat intense caveat that you go to youtube and look up a video on parrying because that is kind of a make or break for the game like try to understand i know it sucks to have to do homework for a video game but yeah they have made it necessary it goes on sale pretty often on steam yeah that well that's what i was gonna say was because you know i bought a used ps3 copy for like six dollars and like I enjoyed it enough, but like if I had paid sixty dollars for it, I would have felt ripped off because of the length, for the length and some other things. But yeah, it like, but you know, if you can get it for like twenty dollars or less, and you think it's the kind of game you like, I, I would recommend it. Um, or failing that, you know, just like I mentioned in the first episode, uh, someone put up a a two and a half hour video of basically you know Metal Gear Rising: Revengeance the movie and. <laughs> You could watch that and enjoy it without playing the game. Okay, uh, so next, uh, what, what would you recommend to people that is similar in some way? Um, I've got a few recommendations. The first is the VR missions in Metal Gear Rising Revengeance. I know they're pretty easy to kind of ignore because they're on a menu and not part of the main story, but they have an intense number of VR missions that have things like, you know, pilot a dwarf gecko to this point without you know in whatever time limit or try to get through this area while doing a zondatsu on everybody or get through this area without being spotted or do a bunch of ninja kills like they give you yeah this thing i think you might be able to play it longer than the main game even there's something like what 20 of them or so uh, like 70. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, they're... I enjoy them, and... You know, I if you like the gameplay or just want to practice the gameplay, I would strongly recommend them. Uh, also, there's the DLC, which we mentioned earlier. You can play a short mission as Jetstream Sam, or a short series of tutorials as Blade Wolf. Yeah, th- those are kind of fun. Like uh, Sam especially has some interesting new mechanics because he has his sword that can do charge attacks and he can double jump. And he can taunt. Yeah, that's right. Can we rewind a sec? Did you say a series of tutorials is part of the DLC? Yeah, okay, so Blade Wolf tutorial. I oh. said the Blade Wolf mission. The Jetstream Sam DLC is a short mission and the Blade Wolf DLC is a short series of tutorials and then a boss fight. Yeah, like they like they make uh, Blade Wolf do a bunch of VR missions to train the AI. Okay, but is it like tutorials for playing as Blade Wolf or that reflect on the actual mechanics of the main game? Uh, for playing as Blade Wolf. Okay, that's, that's a lot less insane than I thought because... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so the way they play is that Sam's deal is that he's got a bit more mobility with his double jump he's got that taunt so enemies do more damage to you but you also do more damage to them 
and to, the enemies on his mode are way faster and more aggressive. And they bring in some old bosses, but give them new moves. And uh, for Blade Wolf, he he is primarily a stealth character. Like he has what is effectively a sniper rifle with his heat blades. Uh, he specializes in sneaking up on people and taking them down. And even the boss of his scenario is like, it's a regular f- boss fight, but you there is a way to hide from the boss and do not ninja kills, but like ninja damage bursts. And you're even graded on hunt kills, which are basically stealth kills, which Raiden does not get a bonus for. So if you're into Platinum games, you like the sort of brawling gameplay. There's Bayonetta, there's Wonderful 101, there is a lot of stuff by Platinum. There is no shortage, like Nier. Uh, if you like being st- the aesthetic of being stealthy and doing cool acrobatics and murder, there is Mark of the Ninja. And finally, this isn't so much a recommendation... As it is a general shout out, I decided to look up if child soldiers have any kind of charity out there to help them get out and reacclimate to the world. And there is a group called Child Soldiers International, which I think Char mentioned earlier too that it could be better named. Yeah, they used to have a much better name of, like, you know, the International Society for the French of Chat or something like that, but they just sort of come off value neutral now, which is unfortunate. So if you donate money to them at child-soldiers.org, they toss a coin and either spend that money... For or against child soldiers. <laughs> yeah. Are you going to help get the kid out, or are you going to give him body armor? <laughs> oh, man. Okay, so that's done with my recommendations. Okay, Char, what do you got? So... I think the two things that are core to Metal Gear Revengeance, well, I wouldn't say core necessarily, but the idea of stealth mixed with action, I think Dishonored does a very good job of that. It was one of the first stealth games I played that the feeling of things could go wrong and you could start a fight and the gameplay was still valid. There weren't many stealth games that did that before Dishonored that I can remember. Yeah. And the other is, if you want something that is entirely about stylish action and going over the top, Super Hot and the uh, sort of semi-roguelike sequel, Super Hot Mind Control Delete, is an incredible game. It's based entirely around the fantasy of extreme competence in a fight and the idea that you can react faster than everybody else can do. So it's sort uh-huh. of fits in the same... It's almost like an entire game made out of the Zandatsu segment, if the Zandatsu is actual gameplay and not just a thing to hit a target and refill your health. Hmm. Interesting. All right, so uh, mine, and I'm I, I'm honestly a little I want I purposely went last because I thought you guys might say the same one. Mine is going to be Metal Wolf Chaos. <laughs> um, if you're not familiar, that's because it was originally a Japan only original Xbox release. And a friend of mine happened to get a modded Xbox, which is how I got to play it, and it is unbelievable. And thankfully, many, many years later, 14 years after the original release, uh, Devolver is working on an English version that's going to be out sometime next year on like PC, PS4, and Xbox One. Basically, it's a 
completely bonkers action game where you play the president of the United States who is getting into his power suit to defeat the coup that the vice president is staging. And it has wonderfully terrible English voice acting all throughout. And just, yeah, go, go and look up some videos of it on YouTube. You're, you're going to be amazed. Um, okay, and last thing before we finish up, is we're going to read some reviews of Metal Gear Rising Revengeance. Uh, you guys got the Google Doc in front of you? Oh, yes. All right, uh, who wants to go first? Uh, I will go first. This is, a, it looks like a Steam review. Yeah, this time I, last time I did all Steam reviews, this time it's from a couple different sources. Okay, recommended. 7.9 hours on record, posted September 23rd. I have a crush on Raiden. Recommended. 10.7 hours on record. Posted September 16th. Very satisfying combat. Just like making love to a girlfriend. Also, I wish Raiden was a female. <laughs> wow. Uh, let's see. Uh, recommended. 0, 0.0 hours last two weeks. 60.4 hours on record. Posted October 5th, 2015 at 8.55pm. If Devil May Cry and Ninja Gaiden had a baby that did cocaine while playing an electric guitar on the roof of a yacht going through a typhoon, this game would personify that. Recommended. 0.0 hours last two weeks. 19.5 hours on record. Posted February 26, 2015 at 3.59pm. It's just like one of my Japanese animes. Just like one of those Japanese animes. Let's see. Grim13. Wow, that's a username. November 25th, 2014. 3 out of 10. Lol, I actually had one of the game's Steam forum moderators mock my annoyance at having to modify games.any files to get past some of the game's game-breaking bugs. Apparently actually expecting a game to function properly on the platform I've purchased it for is a wildly rebellious idea these days. Uh, and now one by Textbit. Posted six years ago. Looks amazing. Gonna get blazed and play this. And now the longer Amazon reviews. One star. I love this game, but sadly I didn't get to play by Amazon customer on August 11, 2016. Verified purchase. I love this game, but I didn't get to play because someone stole the game before I could get it from the mail. I guess that's what happened if you live in a ghetto town like I do. I wish I could get an another game to replace the other one. Again, one star. 1.5 stars. This game is garbage by Jay Hernandez on June 4th, 2013. Verified purchase. I have been an MG fan since I played it on the NES in the 80s, but the game took a sh on the MG franchise. The number one rule of these MG games is they always have sneaking missions. The goal is no kills, and also storyline makes some kind of sense. I like using a <laughs> riffle, sidearm, sneaking up to an enemy soldier and choking up before I knew it was there, or using it with a human shield by shooting his friends with tranquilizer darts from my Mark 22. <laughs> Sorry, but you can't do any of that here. Overall, I'm just disappointed in Hideo Kojima for allowing this hunk of fecal mater to be allowed to the public. If you're a true MG fan like me, you're not gonna you're gonna buy it regardless what you read here. Just don't. I even purchased the download content expecting that, and that's in scare quote. To say this travesty of a game, but it actually made it worse. Just wait for the new one to come out. It will be a prequel. You will get to play as Big Boss again. <laughs> wow. <sighs> one out of five stars. OMG. What happened to all the sneaking? 
by Expert Gamer on February 19th, 2013. Verified purchase. I am quite shocked they even called this Metal Gear. First, where is the old man with the mustache from the last game? Second, where did this Terminator robot come from? And with a sword? Come on! I don't see any assassinating, crawling, spy vs. spy stealth action at all. It is Ninja Gaiden, but they changed it to Raiden. Seems like a ripoff, Ninja Gaiden. OMG. OMG. Dot, 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 dot. If you disagree, well, just my honest opinion, they should call this Ninja Raiden or Ninja Gaiden 4, not Metal Gear, for the PS3 version. Well, it is priced the same as a Xbox, but in Blu-ray format, so I suppose it's the ideal format to get if you play both consoles. Wow. <laughs> the thing that kills me is Ninja Raiden is actually kind of clever, but he just had to, his reach exceeded his grasp. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, it... <laughs> yeah. yeah. Amazon reviews are kind of phenomenal that way, and yeah. I'm, I feel slightly lightheaded now. Also, the old man with the mustache. Like, if you described... If you referred to any video game protagonist as the old man with the mustache, what would you think that game was about? I'm going to say it's a Mario game. Yeah. <laughs> that was going to be my guess, yeah. Uh, actually, Nintendo's made it clear that Mario is 25 years old. Mario is younger than me, and I hate it. No, <laughs> I don't allow that. Yeah. Oh, you know who's who else is? Sid from Final Fantasy VII is 30. The hell? That's mm. not allowed. Yeah, no. Um. Okay, anyway, uh, I think that's about enough from us. We're going to wrap up here. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, see you guys later. Dumb catchphrase I'm trying. Be kind, rewind. And don't forget to watch Hey Riddle Riddle. And I'm going to take Grant's ending, but I can't remember what it was. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Good night. Bye. Bye.